Well, it's been a minute since I've been here speaking in this stage. So if, um, if I feel uncomfortable, please bear with me. You know, this is, um, it's been a minute. And um, for the ones who don't know me, my name is Antonio Reyes. And I get to be part of the Pastor team in this community. And um, we get to be family. You know, we get to do life together. We get to speak life into each other. And today I get to... Um, to continue this conversation on the vision of our community, discovery. You know, um, one of the things that we've been talking a lot about is this idea of old country, new country. And, and what, is this, what does that look like for us as a community, right? Because we believe that discovery is called to this new country. Maybe this is your first time in this, in this church, in this community. And you're like, what are we talking about? Do not worry. It's, I know it's, it's weird, old country, new country stuff. My encouragement to you is to go back on YouTube and or podcast and listen to the message from Pastor Steve. Because in the past two weeks, we've been talking about what that looks like, the dynamics, the practicality of what it means to go into this new land uh, for discovery. So today, I get to close this conversation with this idea that the mission and the vision of our community begin in our circle of influence. And I, I want to take you to this story in this moment of the, life, of the life of Jesus. And it's found in Matthew chapter 9, verse 9. If you have your Bibles, you can go with me. If you don't, we were going to have it here on the screen. And I want to read you this part of, of the life of Matthew because I believe it's going to inform us and call us and challenge us today and this morning. And it begins this way, uh, Matthew chapter 9, verse 9. It says, as Jesus left Capernaum, he came upon tax collection station where the Jewish man named Matthew was collecting taxes for the Romans. Come, follow me, Jesus said to him. Immediately Matthew jumped up and began to follow Jesus. Jesus went to Matthew's house and made himself at home. Many other tax collectors and outcasts of society were invited to eat with Jesus and his disciples. When those known as the Pharisees saw what was happening, they were indignant and they Kept asking Jesus' disciples, why would your master dine with such low lives? When Jesus overheard this, he spoke up and said, healthy people don't need to see a doctor, but the sick will go for the treatment. Do you mind if we pray before we jump into this conversation? If you feel comfortable, will you mind closing your eyes for a minute? Jesus, thank you so much for allowing us to be here this morning. Thank you for allowing us to have these conversations. And my desire and my prayer that room, no matter what we're going through, what we're thinking, what is happening in our soul, even around us, God, can you speak life into us? Can you speak hope into us, God, this morning? And give us perspective. Fill our heart with courage to make decisions in our lives. We ask you this in your beautiful name, Jesus, and discovery says, amen. You know, one of the things, family, that I have you ever been upset and, and irritated by yourself before? I mean, I don't know. I, I, hopefully, I'm not the only one who struggles with this. But I do sometimes. I feel sometimes irritated by my decisions and by my choices sometimes. You know, one of the things that um, they irritated about me is that Gabby, my wife, tends to show me places that he, she wants to go visit in Mexico. She showed me, she showed me pictures and, and locations that she wants to go visit. This is the problem. It's not just only certain places in Mexico. 
There are places that were very close to me, and I never went to visit those places. They were in proximity to me, family. And Gabby says, you know what, I want to go and visit these places. And I'm like, man, I had the opportunity to go, and I never went. I remember hearing people coming from all over the world to those places and enjoying the experience being there. They were literally driving distance from where I was at. Two, three, four hours, five the most. And I remember that I heard about it, but I never really had the desire to go. You know, being in Mexico, my, my intentions were like, oh, I want to go visit New York. I want to go visit Europe. I want to go visit someone nice, you know, because we don't think that we have anything nice and proximity to us. But I was completely, you know, it was not true. And now the problem is that sometimes Gavi shows me places that I didn't even know existed close to me. And now I'm upset because she knows more about my hood than I know about my hood. How is that possible? How is you showing me all these places that I don't even know that were there? But see, one of the things, family, that I notice about humans is that we have this tendency of not seeing sometimes value in the things that we have in proximity to us. That sometimes we think we will find the beautiful and the wonder outside of us somewhere else. And we have to travel somewhere else to find it. That the things that we have in proximity, the relationships that we have in proximity to us, sometimes we do not see the value in them. Or we saw the value at one point and we just miss it. Because we just become too comfortable in the monotony of having them close to us. See, we have this tendency sometimes of thinking, I will go somewhere else to find what I'm looking for. See, when we're talking about living in mission with our community and discovery, we're not telling you to go and travel all the way to Mexico, Africa to live this mission. What we're talking about is perhaps living the mission and the vision of discovery can happen in your circle of influence. Who is in proximity to you? Can you live that out? Because it's easier going somewhere else than actually finding around us. See, Matthew gives us a very significant example, I believe. See, Jesus is calling this man by the name of Matthew. See, Matthew, I don't want to give you a whole background about Matthew, but Matthew was not really liked by his own people. He was, you know, someone that was very disliked, and that's a nice way to say it, because of his profession. Because all his wealth was built on top of his own people. He would take advantage of his, of his own people. But see, Jesus has this way of seeing humans. That he does not only see the present condition of someone, but he also sees the potential of someone. That when he sees people, when he sees you and me, he not only sees the prefer Matthew probably was incomprehensible, that this Jewish rabbi wanted to interact with him. Not, there's not even talk about inviting him to follow him. So this moment is, is something very significant for Matthew because as we can see, as we read the story, there's something about other people about this Jewish man by the name of Jesus. See, I, I, I believe we have misunderstood in the Western church, what it means to share the good news of Jesus. Because it's not an exchange of information, friends. It's not an exchange of data, of statistics. It's not an exchange of better values. I believe 
It's not, not even about you being great at theology. See, what happens sometimes in the Western church is that we have this tendency and our desire to, 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 to have practicality that we have systematized what it means to share the good news of Jesus. That if we just have the right formula, the right strategy, the right structure, we will find the motivation to share this message. But can I be honest, sometimes this is the thing that keeps us away from actually sharing the good news of Jesus sometimes. To live this in a very organic way. Because I believe this. My desire is not for you to miss the opportunity to see who do you have close to you and in proximity to you. Because I cannot fathom the idea that if you just find the right formula, you would actually be motivated to share this new good news. May I tell you that I believe in the life of the, of the experience of Matthew. That there's no communicator, there's no message, there's no, there's no strategy so compelling that move you to actually share by your life being transformed. See, I'm not sharing information. I'm sharing what is happening within my own life. The transformation, the renewal, the healing, the, the, the awakening that is happening within me that I'm sharing with people. It's not about, oh, I know all these things, and I want you to know this. My motivation, the force that is moving me to do this is because I know that there's something happening with me, and I want other people to experience it as well. There's something that you need to know also about my wife is that she doesn't like me to actually encourage her to read certain books. That when I suggest, you should read this book, baby, she's like, sure. <laughs> Meaning, I won't. I'm like, it's really good. Yeah, yeah. And, but once in a while, once in a while, she decides to say, you know what, I'm going to read one of those books. And we have this, this, this thing that we do together. You know, we, we go to coffee shop. We buy our own coffee. Obviously, we, we, we're doing our own thing. And we start reading our books together. But she has this tendency, friends. And this, I'm not exaggerating. Every 45 seconds, she stops me and says, hey, hey, have you, I already know the book because I read it. But, hey, she wants me to really know what's happening with the book. She's like, you need to know about this. Have you heard? What do you think about it? And I share my thoughts. I'm like, I'm going to go back to my book. 45 seconds later, hey, babe, listen to this. I'm not lying to you. In 10 minutes, it can happen seven to eight times. And I'm not exaggerating. Because there's something in her that feels the necessity to share what she's reading because it's so good that someone else needs to know about this. And I'm the one close to her, so I need to know. See, I have found in my own life that when you find something really valuable, you want to share with others and you want others to experience it with you. Happening to a space. See, the vision of Discover is not you to invite your friends to a, to a space where we exchange information, where we, we prescribe people what to do and what not to do. That's not what we're doing. Our desire is that you are actually sharing the one who is transforming you. The one who is causing all these things within you. A person of Jesus. See, we go to the story of Matthew in verse 10. You only see that Jesus is getting comfortable at Matthew's house. 
And he's the one who probably invites all his other friends close to him to know this man. See, I'm a big proponent of sharing this message. Why? Because there's other voices that will overtake sometimes in our country. I don't want to get into it, but let me, let, hear me out. Hear me out, okay? You know, sometimes you have that cousin that you don't want to hang out with him because he's like, damn, that, that, that cousin is crazy. You know, like, I don't want to be, you know, related to that person. Or maybe you are that cousin. I don't know. But sometimes what ends up happening is that certain voices take over, you know, our culture. And I believe that once sometimes they have a healthy voice about Jesus, sometimes we don't say anything. And there's some healthy voices sometimes being very loud, speaking about it. And we, and we get identified with them. And I'm like, ah, not really. I get it, but no. And for some of us, we, we have the opportunity to actually share this message. And, and we, we don't say anything. And I understand what ended up happening is that like the religious leaders, we start speaking about a, a very elitist message that only certain people can qualify, only certain people can be part of it. We have this subculture in churches where we have our own language, our own jokes, our own way to describe things, our own vocabulary, that we look a certain way. See, and we get disconnected from culture and life because we think that's how things should go. But I believe here in Discovery, we try to empower people so that we can actually add value into spaces, that we bring empathy into spaces, that we bring wisdom into spaces, that we can actually voice a compassion into spaces. See, I remember one of my friends that, um, that received me when I moved to the United States, one of my first friends here. She saw my transformation and when I decided to say yes to Jesus. And a lot of people, a lot of my friends didn't like that and that I understood why. But years later, I came to find out that she actually decided to start a journey with Jesus. And one of the things that I said, I reached out to her real quick. And I, sent, I, I remember texting her, I was like, hey, I'm super happy for you. Keep it up. But do one thing. Do not disconnect from your friends. Stay with your friends. I know you need a community. You need to, someone to help you nurture your faith. Yes, do that. But do not disconnect from your family and from your friends. They need you. See, I cannot hide behind a subculture because I'm not just sharing, once again, the 13 rules of life. I'm sharing the one who's given my humanity back. You know, they existed. The one who's actually invited me to transform everybody else's life, simultaneously he's changing my own life. See, we can, we, you and I become this conduit of this compelling message that we cannot hide behind Christianity, I'm sorry. We cannot. And this is an ongoing thing that happens in the narrative of, of, of Scripture. You have Matthew inviting his own friends. You have this woman called you know, the Samaritan woman, she has an interaction with Jesus and she decides to go to, the, to her village and tell everybody about him. You have this man, a demon-possessed man, what a name, right, to be known through history. That he gets delivered and he wants to follow Jesus and Jesus says, no, 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 go with your family, your friends. 
See, this is an ongoing thing that happens in Scripture. And I'm not trying to motivate you to become a salesman. I'm not, I'm not trying to do that with you. Because I believe that when you actually share what's happening within you, it's honest and transparent and genuine. I don't want you to be that. Also, I don't want you to be that obnoxious friend and family member that I'm like, oh, I don't want to hang out with that person. Because they always have something to say. That Jesus is everything about it. You know, like, I don't want you to become that either. But sometimes we, we swing this pendulum to the extremes. We either too obnoxious sometimes. I'm sorry, it is what it is. Or sometimes we're really too silent pressed that we, we don't say anything. My, my suggestion is can we live in the tension? Can we listen when we have to listen and can we speak when we have to speak? Can we deliver the wisdom and the, that we know how to evaluate and discern the moments when we actually live, live in that tension? Because it's needed. And I have three suggestions and I'm done. I promise. Three things and I, 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 I promise I'm gone. How do we live this out? How do we actually become a conduit of this message of the good news of Jesus? Number one, what do you see? What do you see? See, there's this, there's this man by the name of Nehemiah. I want to read a couple of verses about him. And it's found in Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 2. And it says this, Hananiah, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some of other men. And I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that have survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. They say to me, those who survived the exile are back in the providence, are in great trouble and disgrace. The walls of Jerusalem are broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, hear this out, I sit down and wept. For some days I mourn and fasted and pray before God, the God of heaven. So you have Nehemiah being a cupbearer and he of the king and he's living a great life if you ask me. He, he has great people around him. He's, he, he doesn't need anything. And all of a sudden his brother comes with other friends. And he's asking, what's happening with my people? And they start sharing the catastrophe. That the city is in ruins, that they don't have walls to protect them. And it sounds that nobody really wants to do much about it. Even when he goes, he gets criticized when he starts building the walls. And it sounds that people are complacent in that space. But they're also in a very broken space. What do you see? What what is what are the concerns close to you? What are the questions? What is the pain? Because this is a place of sensibility, and this is where the divine wants to interact with us and with them. What do you see with your family? What do you see with your coworkers? What do you see when you go to that coffee shop? What do you see when, when you go and hang out and you're with the parents and your kids are playing sports and you're talking to them? What do you see? See, there's a couple that my wife and I have been talking about for four years. Four years of conversations and four years of them sharing their struggles and their challenges. As a marriage, they were struggling a lot. As individuals, they were struggling a lot. They were struggling with their faith and going to a church that's not something that was working for them much. And I remember, you know, crying with them, hearing their story. And we would suggest alternatives. 
but they wouldn't take no action. They decided to make a choice and start actually pursuing a community. All these little things, four years in coaching and their marriage, and, and we started seeing all these little things. Four years. Friends, I was done. I was like, I can't keep doing this. Four years. And, they, and they're finally taking baby steps in their own lives. And I see that and I celebrate with them. We just give them, you know, they start practicing their own spiritual practices, you know. And, and we start giving them resources. And, and, and it's so great to see that they're actually excited to start taking steps. But guess what? We start identifying all the needs. And I'm like, can I speak to this? Can you see it? Can you identify it? Can you name it? What is in proximity to you? The second thing that I believe is needed is that we need to become translators. Pastor Steve alluded to, uh, about this in the first message, that we have to become fluent translators. So yesterday, um, I changed this yesterday, you know, that's how I am. So yesterday I went to this Portuguese uh, restaurant. Amazing. That, that was actually my first time in one of them. With Gavin and, 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 and we experienced some great food. But as I was in the restroom, there was this picture in the restroom. And um, there was all, you know, magazines and newspapers that actually were talking about the restaurant and how great the food was. And I noticed here, you know, I, I don't know if you can see it, but there's this part with the where the chefs start talking about, and the owner of the restaurant starts talking about the design of the restaurant and the tables and the chairs and how unique they are and, and the input behind everything. And then the other side, he starts speaking about the, the, the cuisine and how good it is and, and all the, the ideas behind it. And the people that wrote the magazine put, translation, great food. I was like, what? So... This guy just left everything, the input, the creativity of this man, the dreams, the imagination of this man. He left it behind because he just said, oh, it's great food. Can I say that this is the same thing we do with Jesus? That we left behind the creativity and the beauty and the wonder of Jesus because, oh, yeah, he's great. You, should, you actually should try it. Sometimes we're awful translators. And my desire can become good translators of the story of Jesus to people. See, communication requires for us to see and know the person we're talking to. See, the, 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 the narrative of the Bible is packed with stories of how Jesus appealed to his people. And, God, and Jesus tailored the stories specifically in the context of that people. He used stories. He used locations in the city. He used cultural references. Even Paul later on, he uses great terms to, to, to explain what God is doing among humanity. He engages with people that probably never heard about this Jewish God. What is that you see? How can you become a good translator of Jesus to the people? And can I be honest? What, 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 what convinced me is not that I knew the wrath of God. What convinced me was not that I actually learned the theology of salvation and that was very compelling to me. I'll be honest. I was just in a space where I was like, does somebody care about me? Does somebody see who I am? 
That somebody cares about what I'm going through. And my friends respond to that. Some self-adoring kids decided to invite me to church without knowing the impact. Can you actually see it, name it, and can you become a good translator to your Can you make Jesus make sense to them? Do you need to learn a new language? And what I mean language is, can you learn what they, how they express about their own human experience? A couple months ago, I remember receiving a text by someone, an unknown number. And this person was like, hey, Antonio, hope you're having a great day. And uh, thinking about you, hopefully you have an alignment day. I was like, who's, who's that? I was like, I don't talk that way. Enlightenment, all right. Thank you. But later on, I, I found out that there was this girl that I, be, I was talking for quite a bit and I tried to mentor and walk with her for, through a long time. She had this language, very mystical, spiritual language, and I would use her terms to try to make sense of Jesus to her. And this was a way of her saying, hey, I'm praying for you. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm talking to the creator and I'm hoping that you have a great day. See, because to me, that was my desire. Can I become a translator to her and make sense of Jesus to her? Last thing, number three, we need to tell an alternative story. See, Bonnet Buster, on his book of storytelling, he calls humanity narrative animals. That all of us, we, we actually get a narrative and a story that we, we make sense of. That we build our values through that narrative. So he says that we're, we're humans, we bend to ask tough questions. Who are we? What it means to be human? What is wrong and how can we fix it? See, it's through stories and the narratives that we develop this, this, this conscious about patterns and consequences an effect and, and develop this sense of good and evil and what is valuable in life. See, stories tend, tend a way to shape our hearts. So the question is not, do you have a story? The question is, what story is shaping you and what story are you trusting? To the Croatian philosopher Robert Evan, after many years in South South, uh, South America, through all the revolutions and the wars that were happening in South America, they came to ask him, hey, Robert, how do you overthrow governments? Do you do it with violence or in revolutions? Or you do gradual changes through the process? And his response was, neither. You just tell an alternative story. See, family, I believe this is the good news of Jesus. That we're telling an alternative story to humanity. And I'm closing with this, I promise, and I'm going to ask the band to come up. We're telling a different, an alternative story to humanity. So as you identify what do you see, can you name it? And can you actually become a good translator of the good news of Jesus? What alternative story are you telling humanity around you? You know, fun fact, now that I'm a father, you know, like, 
They say the millennial fathers are spending 300% more time with their kids than their dad did. And a survey in 1982 said that 43% of the fathers never touch a diaper. And now that's down to 3%. We tell in a, an alternative story what it means to be a dad. See, I, I find myself telling an alternative story to my family. What it means to be an educated Latino. What it means to come from my country and not really know the language and, and learn something new and, and, and do something with my life. I'm telling a different story what it means to deal with my brokenness and my own inconsistencies. I'm telling an alternative story what it means to heal from those things too. Because that's the story of Jesus. I don't want to go on this rabbit hole, but Jesus didn't just come to tell an alternative story. He came to question all the stories that were told about humanity. So my desire, friends, is that as discovery, we tell him an alternative story, what it means to be a church, what it means to be a community of faith, what it means to be a follower of Jesus. That is the heart of discovery. That we're not inviting you to to follow the strategy and, and this, this thing that, oh man, to become a salesman for us. No. Can you tell your story to people? That's all we're saying. Can you see the good news of Jesus in your own life? Are you allowing this story to mess you up, to upset your world, to disrupt your life, to confront you, to answer your questions and question your answers? That is the alternative story, friends. Now I want to go and we have a video of the story of one of our own. And I want you to pay attention to the screen real quick. I think, I think one thing that uh, gets me excited about uh, helping people discover the good news of Jesus is that Jesus can work through just ordinary people. So, uh, you know, every person kind of has a place, uh, kind of a way that they can really be engaged in this mission, in this story uh, that's unique to them. Uh, one of the needs that I noticed when I moved to Davis and joined Discovery uh, was that there just weren't as many people on the sound team and the tech team and, you know, we're shorthanded. And that was something I had some experience in. So. You know, I just felt like I should just jump in and try to help out wherever uh, was necessary. I also like helping out with the youth. You know, I, I don't think I'm what you typically think of when you think of like a uh, youth pastor or someone like that, you know, who's, you know, my mind is like this like really energetic, outgoing, um, people person kind of, kind of person. But I think even though I'm not like that, I think there's just ways that I can contribute just by being there and being myself and sharing whatever they're willing to listen to. Um, back in 2017, I moved from San Diego, California to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania to help uh, plant a new church. And I was a bivocational uh, staff member, meaning that I worked during the day and uh, outside of that time, I worked as a volunteer staff member at church. So every day for work, 
I would take the bus from kind of the suburbs into downtown. And along this bus ride were all these different people from all these backgrounds that I was totally unfamiliar with having grown up and just lived in California. And that really got me excited about all the possibilities of how God could work in ways that were new and unfamiliar. And I think there were a lot of opportunities that we missed and, and possibilities that we didn't even, weren't even aware of because we didn't take the time to really listen and consider uh, the particular place, the particular people, and the particular moment in time. Yeah, since I was excited by this bus ride, I mentioned when we were hanging out with some other team members one day that, you know, I really like taking the bus. And surprisingly, the response I got was, gross, why would you like taking the bus? And I'm not saying if you don't like taking the bus, then shame on you or anything like that. I think the thing is that that incident turned out, I realized, to be part of a kind of a pattern, a, a way of thinking, a way of doing church. So another story from Pittsburgh is that I got to meet my teammates, Christian co-worker. He was an older guy in his mid-60s and he had worked in death, had thrown a celebration for him on his bus ride to work because he was retiring. And what kind of a person must he have been to for, for that to happen, right? And it might have been that he helped someone carry something heavy. It might have been that he woke someone up when he knew, when he knew that this person gets off at this stop. It might have been that um, he had good conversations with people. Or it might have been that he just showed up every day and said hi. But what, whatever it was, however he rode the bus, he ended up having an impression, leaving an impression on these people. And so I think what it looks like to get, uh, get involved, it could be a variety of things. It could be very specific, like serving on the sound team. It could be uh, cooking for a neighborhood community, but it could also be just being present and being consistent and more and more trying to just in, in whatever part of your day, uh, just be good news in big ways and, and, and small ways. And I think one thing I appreciate about Discovery is that we acknowledge and celebrate that God can work in, in really big and miraculous ways, but he can also work in small, ordinary ways. And I think, you know, I think there's a way for anybody to uh, take part in this. Yes, give it to Albert. <clears throat> and I think this is a, way, a great way to conclude this conversation. Um, this is not what we say because we're pastors or the preachers. Oh, yeah, he's trying to convince me to say this. It's something that is born out of all of us. And that all of us get to participate and be part of this narrative. The, there's this moment in the life of Jesus with this man. I mentioned him. This demon-possessed man. That it seems that everybody lose hope over his life. The narrative says that they tried to chain, like put chains on him and he will break them. And people didn't even get close to him no more. And all of a sudden, this man, this Jesus shows up into the land and he says, I'm free. And he's so captivated by this man and so thankful that he's trying to follow him. And I love what Jesus says in Mark, Chapter 5, verse 18. 
And as Jesus began to get into the boat, to the park, the man who had been set free from demon asked, could I go with you? Jesus answered, no. But said to him, go back to your home, to your family, and tell them what the Lord has done for you. Tell them how he had mercy on you. I love other translation. Tell them how good he has been to you. This is my invitation to all of us, friends. You tell others how good he has been to you. Um, we have gone to this moment and where we take communion. We have a moment where we reflect on the sacrifice of Jesus for humanity. There's different options in all around the auditorium. We will sing worship and in this moment, whatever maybe your creator is speaking into your soul, have that conversation with him.